0: Opinions expressed on ACB media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to our annual town hall meeting. For those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, I can't, you just haven't been paying attention, I am Sheila Young, president of the Florida Council of the Blind, and We are very happy, again, in the flesh, to be able to have our director of the Division of Blind Services, Robert Doyle, with us. He's not on Zoom. He's here. (laughs) And a longtime friend and colleague of FCB. So, Mr. Doyle.
1: Thank you. We're We're in the moment, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, good to see everyone in person as well. I know Sheila told me that Zoom would have been an option, uh, and as all of you all know, doing Zoom is is one way to get together, but it's not the same as being in person. It's not the same as being able to, you know, get, a, get into a corner and talk to folks and kind of hear some of the challenges uh, or hear some of the some of the um, the great things that are happening. It's not the same as being able to interact with one another uh, like we have a chance to do when I come to these uh, conventions. And so I want to thank you all for always, always, always uh, welcoming the Division of Blind Services, welcoming me here uh, as the Director of the Division of Blind Services. Sheila, I want to thank you for your leadership, uh, not just on the Florida Council of the Blind, but also the Friends of the Library and just just throughout. I mean, we, we have good relationship. We communicate, collaborate, we cooperate, we work well together. Uh, as well, as I, um, I know around the room, uh, we've got leaders from our, um, Florida Rehabilitation Council for the Blind, uh, and so I see Paul Edwards, and I don't know if I uh, see others in the room. I, I think I saw Patricia on the on the screen. Uh, we've got folks with the Blind Services Foundation as well. We've got our district administrator, our local district administrator, Ed James here, and I know we've got folks listening in uh, on uh, Zoom uh, dialed in from the agency as well. And so again, we are grateful to be here. Uh, and again, I'm going to provide some updates. Now, I can provide, I can talk a long time. I can share a lot of data, a lot of statistics. But if I see a lot of head nodding, and I know it's more than because you just ate lunch. Uh, I'll stop <laughs> and make sure we entertain questions, because ultimately when we come, what we want to do is make sure we can give you some updates. But I really want to hear what your questions are, what your challenges, what your concerns are, uh, and hear the things that, that you all are, are, are asking maybe in the field. And so just to begin, again, we want to say thank you. Uh, just big news updates with maybe some of you all know this and maybe some of you all don't. But the Division of Blind Services is a part of the Department of Education. Um, and we are we're probably the second or third largest division in DOE, believe it or not, the division of Oak Rehab being the largest division. Uh DBS is probably second or third somewhere in there. I'd like to say maybe second, but a lot of people don't know we're housed in DOE. And so our leadership at the Department of Education uh is the Commissioner of Education. And so we recently had a new commissioner who was appointed on June 1st. Actually, he took took over effective June 1st, uh, Manny Diaz D junior from the miami area has taken over as our commissioner so he is the head of our department Uh, and and from the commissioner and from senior chancellor henry matt uh, is where we get our marching orders. And so uh, we've had an opportunity to meet with the commissioner uh, a couple of times since uh, he was initially appointed. Uh, we are excited to have him part of there at the at the department. Uh, the commissioner has a, a, a vast amount of experience in the education arena, uh, having been a teacher, having been a coach, having been an administrator, uh, having worked in the legislature, uh, and having um, actually uh, sponsored a number of different legislative bills Connected to education. And so, again, we're very, very uh, uh, fortunate to have a commissioner who has the uh, experience in the field, the experience on the ground, and the experience in the legislature to understand the needs that we have as an organization. Now, when we met with the commissioner earlier this week, I heard him say a word three different times that was very encouraging not that um uh, not that uh, we haven't had this before but i heard the word empowerment a number of times so i heard the commissioner talking about empowering teachers uh empowering students obviously we know the governor uh empowering parents but i heard empowerment and i heard him speak about allowing the divisions to do the work that the divisions do uh and certainly again we have our leadership and certainly there's accountability But what that is encouraging to us, because as an organization, uh, obviously, we want to make sure we've got accountability to leadership, but nobody wants to be under a micromanaged, uh, uh, you know, uh, organization. Uh, And so uh, we were really encouraged to hear the commissioner talk about allowing and empowering the divisions to do the work that we do, obviously with that accountability, obviously with that communication. We as the division also, we report to the senior chancellor workforce, and that's uh, senior chancellor Henry Mack. And senior chancellor Henry Mack oversees the division of blind services, uh, the division of vocational rehabilitation, uh, the career technical education, the division of of Florida college system, uh, and there's a couple others that we don't talk, talk with. With, uh, or talk about a whole lot. But, but what that is, is all of the workforce arenas and workforce areas working together. And so it creates some synergy for us. And so you all know that some of my uh, goals as a, in the agency has been trying to do more around apprenticeship, trying to do more around career pathways, uh, trying to do more uh, around uh, helping individuals earn industry uh, credentials and those things. And that is only uh, supported by our alignment under the senior chancellor, Henry Matt. Uh, within the department, and so one of the things that that we've heard, even from the from uh, Senior Chancellor Matt, uh, you know, we, we 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 try to do our outreach, and sometimes again, I talk about us being the second or the third largest division, but sometimes it is easy to get lost when you're in a division or department that was that that's about education. When you're in a department about K twelve, that's what you hear most of the time out of the department. Senior Chancellor is talking about workforce and workforce support and things to that nature, where again, we're getting able to be out in front. We were meeting with some folks relating to communication and outreach a couple of days ago and looking to piggyback on some of the work that's happening uh, through career and adult education, through the Department of Economic Opportunity and through Career Source Florida. So we can get more marketing and outreach for the Division of Blind Services. And so we're actually working on some plans. We're gonna be meeting with some of the folks with the Moore Agency. Uh, they have a contract with the department through the division through the Department of Economic Economic Opportunity to talk about how we can get some radio spots, how we can get some digital advertisement, how we can enhance our social media presence. And so we're really excited about that. I met with Jim uh, Worth and, and the groups with the uh, Business Enterprise uh, Blind Vendors Committee, and we've been talking about outreach Outreach, outreach. And we talked about that uh, when we met with them last week. And we'll be talking about that when we meet next week as well. Uh, speaking of the business enterprise program, we really had a nice opportunity to, uh, uh, in Tallahassee, we were actually on the local news, uh, both in the in the newspaper, on the uh, digitally, as well as a news story about the Business Enterprise Program. Uh, a little bit earlier this week uh, where we were opening up a brand new micro market with the Department of Management Services. And uh, this is kind of a first for us in the state. Uh, we've got micro markets and we have opportunities where we've got our blind vendors running food services, but this is one of the first in the state that I know of, and Jim can correct me, where the facility was established so that it actually can get walk-in traffic from those on the street. And that's really big because some of the challenges when you're in a closed-in environment, sometimes it may be difficult. Sometimes you don't want people in; they don't want uh, people who are not employees in the building, uh, and sometimes that can have an impact on your sales and your revenue. But the Department of Management and Services set us up in a in a room or in a in a it's a room. They kind of re reconstructed the whole operation where there's an external door and there's actually advertisement out on the streets, where banners where people know that they can come in and grab a Coca-Cola or uh, grab some snacks, and so that's really really cool. And so we're really excited about that. And we're really excited about the marketing that's going to take place there. And again, how we're going to help uh, continue to promote the business enterprise program. And so we're, 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 we're fortunate for that. So some of you all may also know that the governor uh, just this week, a couple of days ago, uh, approve the budget, the, uh, the state budget. And this is a large state budget. Uh, and, uh, this state budget, um, there was actually about 3.1, I believe it was billion dollars. Uh, worth of, uh, vetoes in that. And this is the largest set of vetoes that have been in any budget, uh, in the state of Florida. And so the governor went through and crossed out a, a, a quite a bit of different projects, some that were said to be member projects. Some people call them pork, uh, sometimes. Uh, but what one of the things running through the veto list and, and I, I, I all of DBS's programming services are intact. And so we're very, very fortunate for that. We're very fortunate that we, uh, when we think about our programs and services, there's been no cuts to the level of services. As a matter of fact, in this last budget, they increased the amount that went into the children's program our goal and, and hope is that we're going to see more children served uh, as a result of the uh, increase and I'm taking that dollar amount back up to in the children's program to a million dollars but the governor's budget was approved or the legislative budget was approved by the governor a big big thing in the budget was salary increases and so for those of you all who work uh, uh, for the division or maybe you want to work for the division or maybe you want to work for the state uh, one of the great things is come July 1 uh, the minimum wage for state employees is $15 an hour that's wonderful right uh it really is so um Because I talk about, you know, I travel. I've been spending a whole lot more time in Daytona Beach. And I stop at a place called Bucky's uh, very often. And when I stop at Bucky's, I see, you know, $17 an hour and different things like that. And it's hard to compete when you're paying uh, $10 an hour in some areas. So we are ahead of the game. For the time being, the state of Florida as a whole doesn't have to get to $15 an hour for several more years. But state employees will be a minimum of $15 an hour beginning July one. Also, existing state employees who are on the payroll by uh, June 31st of this year uh, will get a 5.3, I think it's a 5.38% across the board increase. And so, again, that's really, really helpful because as I share it with our folks, uh, I've shared with our leadership in the department, I've shared with the Florida Rehabilitation Council, our biggest challenge is uh, staffing, our biggest challenge as an organization is staffing. Recruitment and retention is our biggest challenge. So the <laughs> 5.38% increase, uh, it is it is going to be, uh, it's good, it's important for us as an organization across the state. I know a number of directors and commissioners and secretaries met with the legislature this year and talked about the challenges that they are experiencing. And we've talked about it as well. And certainly we've got to, you know, do some additional efforts in order to re- recruit. Uh, As an organization, uh, the Division of Bond Services, it remains a great place to work. (laughs) I like to say that because we continue to work really hard in our recruitment processes, Uh, making sure that we are screening in Good working employees. I talk about people when we're hiring, people who are both competent. You know, they can do the job. Uh, they're competent and capable, but also fit within a culture. And when I say about culture in or the organization, I'm talking about people who are team Workers, they work together. There's no such thing as that's not my job. Uh, but we all work together collaboratively in order to do the job. And so even though we've had challenges with our uh, level of, uh, uh, of employees on our payroll, so to speak, uh, and, and, had challenges with our, our vacancy rates, uh, we continue to meet our goals as an organization. Uh, and and we'll see the final proof in the pudding when we get our final rehab uh, rehabilitation numbers at the end of this month. Uh, but we are on target to uh, meet or exceed the goal that we uh, had for last year. And so we're excited about that. Last year was a rebound year for us after we had had a decrease in the number of people uh, going through our employment program. We had a decrease in the number of people who have been successfully closed. Although it was a decrease, it was not as much of a decrease as could have been expected as a result of covid um, and so we are on track, on target, hopefully to reach that goal. And again, we'll know on June 30th where we are in terms of uh, of reaching that goal. But we we continue to progress in that area. And so again, we uh, recruitment, retention is some of our most uh, uh, difficult things uh, when 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 you're dealing in an economy. We know this, and you probably heard it on the news and things. When unemployment is paying $31,000 a year. And that's what it was when you combine both the state unemployment and federal unemployment. Uh, it's really hard to hire somebody at less than you know $15 an hour, uh, and which has made it really difficult. And employers across the state and across the nation have talked about some of those challenges. And so we're starting to see an uptick in some applications and some of the different positions uh, and having a better pool of individuals to uh, to apply and, and to choose from in jobs. I'm Please, and I don't have an updated number for this, but I do know in this last year, uh, we as an agency ourselves have hired more individuals who are blind and visually impaired as well. And so a couple of years ago, and I hadn't looked at the number, but one of our, one of our district administrators yeah. in Tallahassee went and pulled and he actually presented an award to me uh, for the number of people that we had hired as an organization who were blind and visually impaired. And so we continue to promote uh, hiring from within the organization as well. But we we want to hire D B S people who are blind and visually impaired, but we also want to see people hired in in uh, businesses in the community as well, in the private sector. Uh, I know last year we had a chance to recognize our, our Orlando office, which will be having our Rehabilitation Council here meeting here in Orlando. Uh, end of July, the end of July, Amazon, really, really big employer uh, in the state. And uh, they actually have a, uh, not just an accessibility office, but they have an office for hiring people who are blind. They have a blind and low vision shop there uh, at Amazon. We're talking to them in Tallahassee. Uh, and we're talking to other private employers. I had an opportunity to travel over to Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago and meet with uh, a, um, a a group of, of women involved in business, involved in uh, in a local uh, uh a social areas and connected with business and different things where we were able to talk with them about what we do as a division of blind services. We had a chance to talk to one late, one lady from Chase uh, we're talking about how we might be able to not just um, help get more people in work-based learning experiences in at Chase, but how can we maybe identify people who are in their workforce already who are uh, visually impaired and who may be at the risk of leaving the workforce. Uh, as a result of their vision and not knowing what opportunities are there. And that's one area that I really want to be able to target as well, helping people to stay at work and not just think that because I lost my sight or I'm losing my sight that I no longer can work. Uh, that's one of the areas that we want to target and, and, and help and provide some support in those areas as well. And so we had some conversations with them. And again, we've been having conversations about apprenticeship. Uh, our, our team has uh, developed and we actually have, it's going through, I think I talked about this last year, But it's going through the approval process in the department, an accessibility specialist um, apprenticeship program that we're looking to house in Daytona Beach. And what that is, is uh, we've been talking about it and we've been working on Trina Travis, our deputy director has been really spearheading uh, that effort of, of creating a, a program and curriculum along with uh, the folks in the, at, the, at the center in Daytona, uh, as well as uh, developing a curriculum so that we can bring in individuals who are visually impaired, take them through an apprenticeship program and, and they have a job. And if we keep them at DBS, great, when all of that is said and done. And the idea is that they will be able to help us to go and uh, measure websites to see are those websites accessible so that we become a resource to state government and we can become a first level resource to the private sector in terms of checking accessibility. And so we're working on that program uh, to get that underground. And so we've got a curriculum that is that's pretty much in place. Uh, we've got the approval process for the apprenticeship program. We've had the first draft, got some comments back from the Office of Apprenticeship. Uh, and then we are, are working on the second phase of that uh, in line with some other changes that we're trying to make uh, in the organization uh, to move that forward. So I took a look at data with COVID, uh, and I was unable to access updated data uh, from the national level, but we had a a National Council of State Agencies for the Blind Convention a few weeks ago, and they presented a lot of data about what's happening in the nation. Uh, The Florida Division of Blind Services continues to be uh, a leading agency in the nation in many categories in terms of, of, of serving individuals. We serve the most number of blind and visually impaired folks across the nation. Uh, we have the largest uh, state agency for the blind. We have the most uh, employment outcomes, positive employment outcomes across the nation. Uh, and there's several other categories that we continue to lead. I was trying to bring those exact numbers, but, was, but there was some problem with the uh, with the website trying to get in there and pull those exact numbers. But we continue to lead in those areas. A lot of state agencies, not just with... Uh, agencies for the blind, but other vocational rehabilitation agencies uh, saw a sharp decline in the number of people receiving services and the number of people applying for services, and, and many have not quite recovered from that. I took a look at our data, and overall, we had a big dip in the number of older blind people initially uh, with COVID that were receiving services, but, but I looked at the numbers just, just, just kept comparing uh, both 19 to 20 uh, to this current period in 2021 to this current period and saw just generally overall just about a 3% decrease uh, two to 3% decrease in the number of people applying for services. That's, that's really good. Uh, when we consider what COVID did, we would consider uh, people not wanting or afraid to get services. When you consider, uh, services being, uh, provided, a number of them being provided virtually, uh, that's a pretty good number, meaning we we're pretty much on par, uh, with the number of people that we're serving. However, we do want to increase our outreach and reach out to other individuals as well. But when looking at those numbers, it, it was encouraging to know that we engaged at a level with our consumers, both through the division of blind services and through our lighthouses. We continue to engage at a level that, that, that we did not lose a lot of people, uh, that were either coming for services or receiving services over that time. And so that was encouraging for us. Uh, speaking of older blind, uh, we uh, uh, we know that uh, director, former director Carl McCoy had raised some questions to us uh, 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 a couple of years ago about what are we doing for people who are uh, older and blind. And we know, uh, uh, believe it or not, our older blind population uh, is, is uh, and it depends on when you look at the numbers and things like that, and for the people we serve is almost equal to, or certainly uh, 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 close in second place, to the number of people we serve through employment and we know there's a whole lot more people that we potentially could reach in terms of serving. Um, and so um, uh, the older blind population, certainly we want to, uh, some of the things that we're doing is obviously screening individuals who are going into uh, older blind services, or who are older blind. First, do you want to work? Do you still want to work? Some people say, no, nah, I don't want to work. I'm done with that. I've done that. Uh, but we are, when people are applying for services, we have raised the level, the age of where we want to screen to see if they're interested in employment. Because think about it again. Some people, like the gentleman that uh, we helped open the micro market in town. In, uh, in he lost his vision, 25-year career, thought he was done. And uh, and through the services of the division, he's now got a, a, a brand new business and a chance to grow it. And probably another 40, 50 years of work left in him uh, if he so desires. And so um, um, we, part of serving the older blind population is when folks are coming to service and are looking for independence, is screening and say, hey, do you want to go back to work? Uh, Is there an opportunity to go back to work? Is there a way for us to provide you additional uh, tools and training in order to do that? Other ways is looking at virtual instruction. And so we've been providing some of that virtual instruction. We're having that conversation a little bit earlier within the state of Florida for residents of the state of Florida uh, and being able to reach them by telephone. Uh, or by Zoom, and providing and our lighthouses providing that direct instruction. Uh, Paul Edwards and I have talked about uh, looking at other resources where uh, we can directly make them available to the consumer. So we may either either pulling information from uh, from our lighthouses or finding those best resources and bringing them into an environment where we can directly administer them, so that older blind individuals are able to get that information. When I talked to uh, uh, Director McCoy, he talked about you know balancing books and uh, and using the phone and those kind of things and, and a lot of those trainings are available through our lighthouses right now, they are available through our lighthouses. Some of them are available through the Hadley School, but but maybe it's bringing those to the forefront so people see where they are, where they can access this instruction, some of it directly through a lighthouse employee, live, so to speak, or on demand, meaning somebody can go to and, 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 and access a previous recording uh, of training. But the other thing that we're looking at doing is trying to make sure that we are able to get more equipment to people who are older and blind. And what I mean by that is that, you know, in our employment programs, we have resources for equipment, but there's not a lot of dollars available a lot of times to provide that same set of equipment to people who are older and blind because it's a different uh, pot of funding and that pot is not as deep as our employment pot of funds and so uh, trying to provide more of that equipment to our consumers and we've had some areas where we've had some I don't want to say pilot or where we've had some additional funds uh, made available in some parts of the state the Blind Services Foundation of Florida has made more dollars available to to us to be able to administer more equipment we've had some people down in Miami I believe the Lions Club down in Miami have made more funds available for equipment for older blind uh, consumers as well but that's one of our initiatives that's one of the things that we're working on so that, again, employment is important, employment first in the state. If we get folks who who are, you know, 60, 65, 67 still want to go to work, we're going to help provide a training in order to stay at work or to go back into the workforce. But we also want to make sure that that training, remote training, is available for our consumers and the equipment is available. And so here's a reminder for folks. One of the first ways that we did that, not equipment, but in terms of technology, is that we did in the state of Florida, had the first contract across the nation to make JAWS and Zoom ZoomText available to any consumer of the division. Whether they were uh, in the older blind program, or in our library program, and our employment program, uh, in our adult program, and no matter what the program was, making that software available. And we've seen an increase in the number of people who are accessing that software. And if you're a client of the organization, I would say, and, and you don't have an updated version of that software, you, you should talk to your counselor about that. Uh, if, if you've got an old version of it and, and you want training, because that's the other part that comes with it, is the training available through the lighthouses on how to use that ZoomText and how to use that JAWS or how to use that open book or how to use that Fusion. Those are trainings that we're making available through the lighthouses as well for the older blind and for all of our populations. So, so those are some of the things that we're, that that we're looking at. Um, We are, um, I talked about a recruitment, I kind of jumped over on the other side. Uh, We are grateful for the pay increases. And again, it's historic. It really is historic in terms of pay increases and wages uh, for the organization. Uh, for the state of Florida. And I will say that the division is still continuing to look at additional options for our employees as well. And so just as a quick note, you know, we're still looking at whether it's legislative increases or some kind of way to, to bring the bar up for some of our employees or whether it's through reclassifications because there's still some positions within the organization, many positions that may not be appropriately classified for the level of work and the intensity of work. And so I will say that, and I know we started talking about this a few years ago uh, as well, and we've looked at it each year, um, but we are optimistic that we may be able to do some things uh, in this next year that go beyond what has already been done in terms of uh, increases as we look at classifications or again, look at going to the legislature to ask a revisit for, these, uh, uh, for our employees across the state. And we're partnering with the Division of Voc Rehab as we look at those positions and things as well. Uh, Let's see here. All of our staff are back in the office except for one person and our contractors. Let me say this. And I know this has been for some individuals, um, um, something that has been a concern for them. And I welcome feedback from the council uh, in this in in this regard. And so um, the uh, department uh, has, has, you know, has said that that we needed to move to a place of where we are no longer doing what's called hybrid telework hybrid telework is where some individuals may be in the office one day a week or two days a week or more likely at home one day a week or two days a week and maybe in some some extreme or rare instances maybe at home four days a week Uh, and so the department and, um, and other state agencies as well have said that hey We've got to stop this hybrid telework. Uh, They had seen some challenges and some abuses relating to it. And as one of our own team members pointed out, there was some positive things about it as well. Uh, There were some positive things that that worked out where it worked out, where some people were able to be more effective, more efficient um, uh, in their telework. And so, but uh, as we looked at the guidelines and looked at, you know, we only ended up ultimately with one position that is full-time teleworking and all the rest of our employees are back in the office. Now, most of our folks had been in the office most of the time, anyhow, uh, probably since um, the um, middle part of 2020. Uh, we actually had some employees who said, well, why do others get to telework when we've got to come to work every day? I've had some of the some of the folks uh, thinking about the work at the library and the folks in the circulation areas. And things like that as well but all of our all of our folks are back in the office uh, and available to provide the service now I did talk to one of our team members uh who was concerned relating to our blind employees uh and part of that conversation was you know should our blind employees be able to telework? work and we had some dialogue about it uh, about that and, and 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 again I welcome feedback uh, as well uh, from the council and from members here you know but one of my part of the conversation had been uh, that 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 you know we as an organization, we're promoting employment and we're pro- promoting employment in the public sector we're promoting employment in the private sector and we're telling them people who are blind and visually impaired can do just about any job that anybody else can do again with right accommodations and those things along the way and then one of the one of the conversations we were having is that well perhaps we should make teleworking available to all of our blind employees or available to blind employees because we've seen that some people and some people not all have been very successful at teleworking, and so part of that dialogue and that conversation is: Is it? I'm, I'm trying to trying to I'm trying to because uh, I really had trouble phrasing the words. Right? Is it uh, hypocritical? I don't know if that might be the word uh, for us to say that every uh, blind employee should be able to telework because they're blind and visually impaired. Do you understand what I'm saying? and and, 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 and is it is that hypocritical to to say that when we're promoting equality in the workplace, when we're saying that other people can come to work and you know, because it doesn't create a, an additional barrier, so to speak? And so that was part of the dialogue and and I, and as I was talking with uh, my teammate and colleague and, and one of the employees in the agency uh, in that conversation, I said, I really need to think through that. Um, because i don't i don't want to be hypocritical to private sector employees or others and saying that we should create a carve out for, uh, for 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 our visually impaired employees. And again, you tell me, you guys, I, I do welcome your feedback on that. Uh, and I know that this could be one of those issues that could be divisive and those kind of things, but I do welcome the feedback. I some, we, loved, I said, we love discussion. You love discussion, right? Uh, and so, so I, I do have some other updates, but maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll come back to that maybe in a little bit. But, but that was part of the dialogue. And so really what our guidelines had been when determining whether positions should telework or, or not, it was not based on the end individual but it was based on the position and the class of positions and and i have and we have some individuals again we've been hiring more uh individuals blind and vision impaired across the state of florida uh and we have some individuals who may be uh counselors uh, and yet that, that are blind and, and you may have some individuals who are not counselors who are blind. And so part of that dialogue conversation is if, if we're looking at a position as a whole and we believe that that position as a whole needs to have some interaction with the public, needs to be available and accessible to our clients for us to make a determination and say, well, we believe that this position should telework, and particularly the choice was either full-time telework or full-time in the office. That was the choice that we had uh, in that case. Then our determination was that those positions should be in the office because we want those individuals to be available and accessible to the people that we serve. I just want to make that a note or point, because that could be some of the dialogue and could be some of the conversation that you all may be hearing. You may be getting questions relating to it. And I wanted to let you know where my part of that conversation may have been and be transparent about that. And again, uh, we've never done anything as an organization uh, successfully without communication and dialogue with the people that we serve. Uh, And that's just something I believe across the board. We want to have that dialogue. Ultimately, we may not agree on all the things that we move forward with. But that dialogue and that input is very helpful to us as we do policies and procedures and things uh, as an organization. And it's about respecting one another as we do the work that we do. And so I did want to make a point of that. All right. Some people want to know what's happening at the rehab center, a rehabilitation center uh, in Daytona Beach. It's a residential center. We are back open and we've been back open, I think, for about a year now uh, where we've got people in their residential. We're still not operating at full capacity. Uh, we've got about 30 rooms or so at the, at the center. Some rooms could double up. We're at about half, a little less than half occupancy in terms of our rooms. We do have some clients that are receiving services through the center virtually. Uh, we are looking to bring more individuals into the center residentially. Our biggest challenge has been capacity in terms of making sure we've got the staff on board. And so part of my conversation today, I'm recruiting, you know, you know, if we've got folks here or members of the Florida Council of the Blind, either in person or or virtually. We are recruiting as an organization and we are recruiting across the state of Florida. Our, our challenge in terms of having full beds is making sure that we've got the full set of instructors, instructors, qualified instructors, good teammates, you know, people who work together, people who are flexible and adaptable and approachable people who communicate, collaborate, and cooperate well. I use the term sometimes, positive, productive, accountable people, people. That's what we're looking for as an organization. And uh, and so we are recruiting. And so that's been one of the challenges that we've had to filling our beds. Now, we've got a lot of goals for the rehabilitation center. Number one, we've gone through and we did put some public input, put a survey on our website, and then we did some additional survey with our team members. We want to rebrand the center. And the name that we have zeroed in on is the uh, Career Technology and Training Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Some people may shorten that to CTTB, but Career Technology and Training Center. And so what that name uh, uh, encapsulates Is the idea is is that it's 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 is that we are helping prepare people for employment. That's a career. Technology is a large part of what we do as an organization. A large part of making the world accessible for people who are blind and visually impaired. And the word training, yes, a training center, but it also it, uh, 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 it keeps in place the idea that we're not. Are so full for, force ahead in, in career and technology that we're not, that we've lost the aspect that this is about also adjustment to blindness. And so adjustment to blindness is still a major component of what we do at the rehabilitation center. And so we still got to go through some work through the Division of Department of Management Services in order to do that name change. We're hoping at some point to do this big open house, especially once we get a bureau chief on board. We continue to uh, interview for our bureau chiefs. Uh, we had a uh, meet and greet. Uh, the deputy director, uh, Trina Travis, and I have been uh, uh, jointly uh, leading the work there. Trina handles most of the day-to-day uh, with with uh, my direct involvement and support and, and communicating and Somebody said that I've been at the center more time in the last, you know, six, nine months since we had the vacancy uh, with the bureau chief than maybe I had been in other times. And it's true. Uh, it is true because we had a bureau chief in place. And I'm not one who micromanages and we trust the leadership. And if you can't trust the leadership that you have in place, then you don't need that leadership in place. And so um, now that that leadership, that bureau chief has left, uh, we are spending more time and letting the campus learning, uh, getting to know the team members more directly and learning some of the challenges there as well. But that being said, our deputy director and I have been working with the team there and we've been meeting with the team and there's a couple of different programs that we're working on number one we're working on a call center training program and now that might be six to 12 months away but we are working we want to put a call center training uh, program in place we've worked with the lighthouse of central florida uh we've been talking with the miami lighthouse as well we've got some things going on down there but the lighthouse of central florida and this year i think we might be close to almost 100 employees that we've had employed through a call center training program through a contract that they have with the department of children and families and that's huge you say 100 employees if we've got an employer that we can help staff 100 people that's good stuff right that's good stuff and you talk about call center jobs these people are working from home uh and 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 these folks are making a, a good wage and so we're working with them And we're looking to implement a training program at our center that we can do more of that. The uh, Lighthouse of Central Florida has indicated that they just had a contract extension with the Department of Children and Family where they need 150 people. And so we have helped staff a great majority of those positions. And I'm really, really pleased about that. We've also been working with the Miami Lighthouse and Virginia Jackal and her team there been doing a lot of great work where we've actually uh, um, put, uh, they put together the call center, but we put together some equipment and some partners ships there where they're working with American Airlines uh for some call center jobs. And they've been talking about a major a cruise line as well in order to do some call center uh training. And so we're really excited about that. But at our center in Daytona Beach, we're interested in and we are working towards a call center training program. We have been working for a Comtia. Comtia is uh is is um it's an international uh, recognize, internationally recognized credential for people learning computers. It might be the hardware, it might be networking. And we actually received authority through the legislature. Uh, we did get some funds, but we've been hindered. Uh, and we've been hindered because we uh, have been working with uh, the Daytona State College. Uh, that's a partnership that we have with them. They, they they provide our trainer for our business enterprise program. We're working with them for a trainer For our CompTIA program, and it's bringing CompTIA training to people who are blind and visually impaired to our center, but they've had a hard time finding someone uh, who can come and do the instruction for CompTIA. And so we're about the end of a first year contract and have not been able to bring a contractor on board. So I don't know if anybody here is CompTIA certified. I'd love to talk to you. I did try to recruit one fella. Some of you all may know and I won't mention their name because I don't want them to get in trouble with their supervisor uh, or uh, (laughs) uh, get in the way of us being able to do what we're trying to do there. But uh, that's been the hindrance there. So I've actually talked to the folks at Daytona State College. They said they had somebody but then there were some challenges there. A lot of people who are applying for the program are people out of the country and they're trying to use it to get a visa to come work in. United States and that's not what we're looking for there we're looking for an opportunity to uh, have somebody can come in and provide that training so that's hindered us on that side uh, we are still working and looking at exploring uh, HVAC training uh, or automotive training but one of the things that's come up over and over again over the years is whether or not we should bring back our GED training program and so um, uh, there's a lot of momentum around that discussion and so some of the team members there are uh, interested and excited about bringing a GED training program back. Uh, we have um, talked to the Division of Career and Adult Education. Uh, they're interested in that. Senior Chancellor Mac expressed some interest in that. Uh, and so we are likely to explore whether we should bring that, uh, that program back or whether or not we should do it in, again, partnership with Daytona State College or how to do it. We did a quick search through our data. So the GED program, we have 246 individuals who are 19 years or older, who's received services through the division, who did not have a high school diploma or equivalency, and who are not currently pursuing a high school diploma or equivalent. And so, again, we'll we'll take a look at that uh, in terms of is it the right thing to do? Should it be housed at DBS at the campus? Um, Again, we welcome the feedback of the council uh, as well as our Rehab Council for the Blind. We welcome that. Our library. So we know we've got a vacancy there at the library as well. Again, our deputy director is working directly, hands-on, uh, with the team there uh, uh, daily, uh, and we're communicating with the team daily. I've been spending more time there myself as well uh, in terms of the day-to-day operations. Um, and so the 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 library, uh, we, we've got a, an effort to increase readership. Uh, we really do want to increase readership. Uh, and uh, and 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 so we've got a group of folks who've been meeting the friends of the library, Sheila, and some of you all here uh, in this room as well have been part of a group uh, to develop a set of recommendations uh, for how we can increase uh, usership of the library. Uh, I've given a deadline of June thirtieth uh, uh, to uh, Kathy Acevedo to give me a preliminary set of recommendations uh, because uh, it's not that we want the work group to disband. Uh, And we know that the work group is putting some things in place already, but I feel like we need a final set of something. We got to keep going. Otherwise, this thing will just keep going forever and we'll just keep talking. And well, I better not say that. All right. Right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) so so the library um um again we we've got Maureen Dorozinski uh, uh she has been providing a lot of work in the librarian realm uh she really knows her stuff uh relating to library sciences uh relating to uh she's she's spearheading a a summer reading program there at the library and it, it starts June 4th is it June 4th June uh I got a date here, June 20th, that goes to August 1st, uh, Ocean of Possibilities. And so, again, Maureen is, is, again, she knows her stuff as a librarian. Uh, she does know herself as a librarian. We appreciate the work that she's doing on that side. Uh, and so we, uh, we have been working to recruit a librarian as our um, new bureau chief there. And if we can recruit a librarian, again, that continues to be our goal. Uh, If we do not identify a librarian, we're looking for a good leader uh, that can work alongside uh, Maureen and provide additional leadership to Maureen and the team uh, in the work that they're doing. But the head of the library right now technically and officially uh is Trina Travis and myself uh until the time that we uh, bring in a new bureau chief. And so we want to have some clarity on that because I think sometimes people are thinking that either Liz is a bureau chief or Maureen is a bureau chief, or I don't know. I don't know if anybody think Hank's a bureau chief. Uh, uh, but uh but, uh, Trina Travis. So if you've got challenges and things at the library, uh, you can reach out to Trina, Travis, and myself. If you're looking for somebody to come and speak, uh, for the library, you can reach out to, to us on that. And we do expect that there's going to be some, some changes in the, in the work pro processes. We, again, we've got our reader advisors that are back in the office. Uh, we've got the reader advisors back in the office, uh, and providing services there. We're looking at the customer service and the quality of the customer service that is there as well. We do wanna go um, paperless with with our systems and operations there as well. And, And most of all, we want a good leader there who can cohesively bring the team together to work together because we, we've we've got to communicate, collaborate, cooperate well uh, there as well. So uh, we also have the READ Different Initiative as I've talked about trying to increase the number of people receiving services to the library. And so we're actually gonna have a, uh, a video and members of our uh, state office team and members of the library have put together a video and that's gonna be playing this Tuesday uh, at 11 a.m., it's called Read Different, and so we hope you all can uh, tune in on. Go to our website under Events, and uh, you'll 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 see where we've got the event set. And we hope that you'll come on board if you're not currently using library services. We welcome you. We encourage you to uh, to uh, to apply and and receive library library services. Uh, it's better than Audible. <laughs> and it's free if you qualify and you don't just have to be blind and vision impaired you have, if you have another print disability you can also access those library services alright so I'm pretty much done with my notes uh, I know we've had some, some, some uh, maybe some things that we dropped out there and people may have some questions or comments about uh, and so I will uh, take questions or comments if I'm allowed to You are.
2: if you are a client of DBS can you time out of the system for instance, if your counselor is trying to close your plan,
1: that's a that's a good question and one we get uh, get at different times. Uh, so, if a person is either not responding or following up for services. Um, then then their case could be closed a person should know that their case is being closed um, there we did open up a category some years ago that allowed a person to put their services on hold temporarily uh, if a person is not cooperating their case can be closed but if you're getting services and you're actively participating in your plan of services then your case will not be closed or should not be closed as long as you're continually uh, actively participating in it.
2: okay and just a follow-up question some of the counselor posi- or all of the counselor positions are full-time is there any movement towards a part-time position
1: in that job there has not been any there has not been any overt movement toward that i think i think that there is some possibility in some areas potentially uh, and and to use what we call an OPS counselor and that could be somebody who's a part-time or looking to do something part-time. I kind of joked when uh, Jim Woolleyhan, who was our bureau chief at the library, at the library when he retired, if he'd be interested in coming back as a part-time counselor. Uh, and, um, and, and so I do think that that is a possibility, one that we have not explored, but something that could be could be explored. This is Doug DJ.
3: And I've got one question. I want to go back to um, the subject on uh, GED. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a chapter member in my group who is a senior. She's visually impaired. And uh, she is interested in getting involved in the uh, GED program in our locality. So my question is um, how does how, how can we make that happen uh, either through DBS
1: or otherwise? And thank you for taking my question. Yeah, you're welcome. And, 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 uh, and good afternoon. So, um, the division is looking to put something in place. We don't have, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue it right now. And so, uh, there's a division of, uh, career and adult education. It's through the Department of Education. And in a lot of, in the local communities, it might be through the community college. It might be through the high school. They, they have GED programs. And so what I would say is, A, you can try to look through them and see if you can find it, or B, reach out to us at the at the division and we'll help connect you to or help connect her to where that local program is um and so you you know you can find dbs on the website you can find my phone number on there and then uh and you know probably cassandra too uh but we can help connect to where the local program is in in, in your community
4: yes this is uh this is uh, jim crott again uh, hello uh director doyle hello jim I just wanted to um, say, you know, you've always been um, open-eared and willing to listen um, to the Florida Council of the Blind, and I commend you for your large ears and open-mindedness. It's obviously still there. Mm -hmm. Um, without wanting to start a war, I also wanted to commend you on your comments and thinking about some kind of special preferential treatment for um, blind employees uh, who would prefer to work from home. Uh, I'm, I'm with you with the quotation marks. Around the word why, what goes for your employees should go
1: for your employees. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for the comment. And uh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to see you in person this time, but I hope you're well. Okay, so we'll do Carl McCoy. Actually, I have a couple of questions. When you would
3: talk about uh, rehabilitation, the proof is in the pudding. How many people got jobs? And so, and uh, when I was in the business, that's all we counted how many was successfully employed. So can you tell us how many people are employed, let's say this year or last, at the end of last year?
1: Yeah, so, so, and, and I'm, I'm giving you a, a close number um, uh, because we have been in the 880s um, over the last number of years, except when we had the COVID dip. And so uh, last year, I believe we had 888 individuals Uh, who were employed, and if I'm not mistaken, uh that was probably our record uh as an organization our target we're really trying to reach 1000 and then go to 1500 i'm challenging our team on that side we won't have our final data for this year until till june 30th or after june 30th we'll have our final data but as an organization we have done exceptionally well uh with helping individuals get jobs and and even despite covid even despite now the year we uh, the first year of covid we dropped down to 822 but still, that was higher than 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 years that we, you know uh, that had been higher than years prior to twenty, uh, uh, 20 I think maybe fifteen. Uh, and so uh, we 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 continue to do exceptionally well despite our vacancies. Uh, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what that final number looks like when this year is over. I know our team has been working really hard to reach those goals. How does that compare with other states than about our no. population size? Okay. Yes sir so do you said what does that say about a population size uh-huh so so uh when we think about uh the d b s employment program, we serve about forty two hundred individuals each year uh now, some people go in and out of service uh uh not everybody is ready for a job when we get there uh but uh but again, I would say that 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 number that eight eighty eight and I believe it was that was the number we ended up with last year that eight eighty eight is the most that we've ever had, and I will say this. We even accomplished that in an environment where we were serving uh, fewer consumers, not a whole lot fewer, but fewer consumers. And so although we were serving fewer people, we were helping more of those who we serve successfully get a job. Yeah.
3: Okay, well, you know, my other concern is about um, seniors and technology. And uh, it's not clear to me exactly what has changed in that respect. Uh, from your comments. So would you share with us what, is there any steps towards improving the access for seniors in technology?
1: So, so the steps are, are, are those that I mentioned to you. We've got some funds that were made available through the Blind Services Foundation. Uh, we're working with the Blind Services Foundation for a, a process to distribute those funds. Uh, there's a, uh, some funds that were made available in South Florida. And then across that, uh, just trying to make funds available uh, where we can. We've been looking at trying to seek additional funding from the legislature as well. And we've committed to make other funds available through uh, what we have in in our in our uh, gifts uh, uh account as well so what it is 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 that in terms of a systematic process of distribution no that is not in place what has been happening is making those available on a where there's been a case by case where there's a need where we've been identified or where we had the funds in order to make uh to to help meet that need of that individual but in terms of a systematic distribution across the state we don't have that program in place uh at this point
3: well, it's an important thing. And, you know, when we had the, uh, the virus scare a, cu- a couple of years ago to start with, they were trying to reach older people, and they pretty quickly realized that uh, they weren't reaching older people online. And so they had to go to using the telephone and a lot of promotion to get that done. And so that tells us for sure we've got a problem in terms of educating our seniors in the technology that is so uh, prevalent today. And it is a tough issue, and it's also a tough issue for blind people. So I think we need to do a whole lot more. And if if we don't have the money to do it, uh, I think perhaps we can give you some help in in, uh, making that issue known to the legislature. So we're willing to work with you to do it, but we need to have a plan that we can sell to people. So I would hope you would work on that. And if anybody else, I don't know, there may be other states doing better than we are. I know that AARP provides uh, training for seniors, uh, but not for blind people. So it can be done and it is being done in some places. So, and we ought to be taking the lead on that. Thank you.
0: My question is the Rehab Council does not have a representative for the Florida Council of the Blind at this time? What is being done so that that can be fixed?
1: All right, so I'll try to make the, the answer short. <laughs> We're accepting applications. <laughs> so, yes. So, so yeah, so, so we do, we, we, we if, if there's anyone who's a member of the Florida Council of the Blind, Who's interested in serving on the uh, rehabilitation council. Now it is a governor's appointee. So ultimately the per- person has to be appointed by the governor, but I would invite you to, to, to reach out to us. You can go on the uh, Florida gov website and there's on the, on the, on, on that webpage. Uh, There is a a link for an application for appointments. You can also reach out to myself or Brandis Hall. We can get you an application or we can take your application by phone. I would encourage you to do that sooner rather than later because we have submitted uh, a group of of recommendations to the governor's office. Obviously, they have other applications that they are considering as well. But we are very hopeful that we're going to get a new slate of appointees uh, before our July rehabilitation council meeting. We're very hopeful of that. And we want to make sure that anybody from this council has an opportunity to be uh, considered. So next we have
2: Mr. Paul, and then we're going to take two questions on Zoom.
5: Thank you. First, let, let me add just a tiny bit to your answer to Carl McCoy, and that is to say that um, we allocated some money from the Blind Services Foundation, and we also allocated some of my time to try to put together a project along with uh, Director Doyle and perhaps uh, Sila Miller, and even perhaps with some consultation from you, Mr. McCoy. Unfortunately, I did not do a good job of follow-through, and as a result, um, we've been delayed. But I think what we can promise is that within the next Three or four weeks, we will have a document in place, um, which which I will be happy to, to to let you know about, so that you can get an idea of exactly what we're trying to do. It isn't, and and, and I think you know this. It is not an easy process, yeah. and it and it starts out looking easy, but really is not because you have to design a system that that does three things that are hard. The first thing is you have to figure out a way. To reach a population which, as you suggested, is hard to reach. Second, you have to find a way um, to identify folks who are not getting training rather than those who already are. And third, um, you you have to figure out uh, you have to figure out whether you're actually serving this population better by helping them find equipment that can increase their independence and productivity, um, or, or or by trying to encourage them to use the resources that are out there by providing them with training that will enable them to do that. So I, I wanted to be sure, mostly, that you knew that at least part of the the, the fault in terms of this project not being further along is mine. And now, <laughs> my um, my question is is more in the nature of a comment at the at at the Division of Blind Services Rehab Council the last time. Um, and uh, there there was a good deal of concern uh, raised partly by me and partly by others that in the past. Uh, individuals who are blind have had a part in filling forward-facing positions within the Division of Blind Services. And we spoke in particular about the position of the director of the Division of Blind Services. And we, um, entirely hope that's not about to be filled. (laughs) But the other, me too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The other position, um, that we talked about a little bit was, um, the, the, uh, director of the library. Um, And and I think there are a lot of us who feel that um, consumers who who are blind and who make use of the library have some input that we can provide to the hiring process for that position. And and I guess I'm reiterating um, the feeling that was expressed at the Rehabilitation Council that you consider um, trying to incorporate that into the decision that you make about this position that's probably the most important outwardly position for blind people in the state Th-
1: thank you uh, and, and and I did hear what the council said at that time and and have considered it and uh, will commit to uh, having someone from the from the council participate as a matter of fact I just whispered over here to your president uh, who's also <laughs> the president of the friends um, and, and and she is willing to uh, be that representative uh, on that on that interview panel Director
2: Doyle, I wanted to change up a little bit um, uh, the direction, and I wanted to personally tell you um, about the exemplary service of one of your employees. Um, I am a senior who, I hate to admit I'm a senior, but I'm a senior who went blind um, at the age of uh, 55. Uh, Maybe that was, they were trying, the gods were trying to tell me to uh, retire, but it was the age of 55. And in the last five years, um, Mr. Lewis has made it possible, Everton Lewis, has made it possible for me to retain my full-time professorship. And I, I am so grateful to um, Mr. Lewis and your division of buying services. So I just wanted to make sure that you knew you had at least one exemplary uh, employee. I'm sure there are others. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That, that's, that's really great. And again, as I think you heard me say earlier, I really want to be able to help more people who are losing vision while they're working to be able to get the resources from from DBS, and I don't know whether we need to form a committee of professionals who, you know that you know that that can identify or something that can help people know that they can reach out to. But I, I know that it's an area that that uh, it, it's a great area for us to be able to be able to reach individuals before they- Director
2: Doyle. If you start one of those uh, committees, please uh, keep me in mind. I am a, yes. still a full time professor. <laughs> Thank you. My question to you is what options are in place for clients of DBS who might be interested in obtaining a master's degree?
1: Ah, yeah, we get that question at different times as well. <laughs> so um, um, so the division, our policy, uh, and, I, and I, I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but the policy is that we help individuals to achieve the educational credential that they need in order to, uh, acquire the job that they're going for. And so if a job that you are seeking requires a master's degree or high level uh, uh, degree, then that's something that the division would look at and look at supporting you through your individualized plan uh, of employment. So that's the that's the quick easy answer. Uh, I will also say that um, the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act inserted in that act language that indicated not only were we to help people get jobs. I mean, help help them with training in order to get a job or maintain a job. But another operative word there was to advance an employment, and we recognize that advancing an employment will include in some cases an advanced degree and so um, talk with your counselor uh, or the individual can talk with their counselor and if they're finding any challenges relating to that uh, Sila Miller who's also a member of the Florida Council reach out to her and she can help um, uh, discuss and communicate and bring the team into that process uh, to bring, bring about the support that an individual might be looking for for that in that area. And I also say this in that regard, and I've said this a few times before, you know, DBS also has a policy that an individual has to be full time going to college. And uh, in order to receive support for college, I'm not just talking about a master's degree, I'm talking about a bachelor's degree and associate's degree. And I believe that that policy is outdated. I think that we need to be in a place where we are supporting college if a person is going part-time because they're raising families and things like that and that's a policy that 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 needs to be changed sooner rather than later
3: my name is robert ferron and i attend the miami lighthouse for the blind i'm taking the midi program it's the music program so that you can be able to record like the, the record companies do so my problem is we get four hours a week for training, but we don't get any time to be able to come together to collaborate. We don't have time so that we can form teams. It's, a, it's an individual process and it makes it hard for us because sometimes three o'clock in the morning, my phone will ring from one of my friends that's in the program. He can't figure out how to, to, to do a certain process on his computer, but we need to have people to come to see what we're doing
1: so they can see how to make the adjustments so that we can do what we are doing better. All right. So so um, the Miami Lighthouse uh, has a contract from the Division of Blind Services. Mm-hmm. And, and the Miami Lighthouse, actually, it does probably, they do better than all the other lighthouses in terms of also securing external funding uh, for their services. Um, that's more, I believe, uh, part of the, a policy on their side or in terms of, uh, of what their resources are or time in order to make additional time available. But you may, uh, look at, uh, pulling a group together or put, putting together a, a group of folks so that you all can have that time to collaborate. I would not be surprised if Miami Lighthouse or would not be able, I would be surprised if Miami Lighthouse was not able to make space available for you all outside of your regular training time. I would be surprised if they weren't able to do that. Okay. I give back to you on that. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to thank
0: you so much, Director Doyle, for joining us today in person. And thank you for taking the time out. I know you had other things you probably would have prefer- preferred to be doing. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Zoom, for being here. And we will see. We've got two meetings at 3 to 4, and then the banquets at 7
4: tonight. So I will see all of you tonight. Thank you again.